0: Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. we were prohibited by law. T-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, Cleveland. Welcome back to another edition of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Jack McCurry. And joining me on today's episode, once again, is Jack Duffin. Jack, how's things going for you, bud?
0: I'm good. It's obviously still quite an unusual time over in the UK, but um, no lockdown's going all right. Um, Stoked for the NFL draft. Got the day off. Going to be three days straight eating and enjoying it. So um, no, exciting times.
1: Absolutely. I'll be off the draft as well. Uh, I'm, Guaranteed, myself, Anthony, and you as well will be providing great content here on the podcast, as well as thedogland.com. Definitely looking forward to it. We are going to talk some NFL draft here on today's episode, as we are only nine days away from the draft as of this recording. Um, But before we get to that, we'll touch on some NFL news. Uh, On Monday, the Carolina Panthers signed Christian McCaffrey to a four-year extension worth $64 million. He is now the highest paid running back. And of course, you know, anytime a position that pertains to the Browns gets involved, the talk starts heating back up on Twitter. Of course, with the running backs, uh, it always goes back to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's not extension eligible yet. That's in a year from now. But anytime a running back gets the big bucks, we always talk about what that means for Nick Chubb. Um, I think, Jack, you and I both agree that While Nick Chubb is a very talented player, he's probably not going to be in the long-term cards for the Cleveland Browns just because of the financial implications. Uh, You've seen other teams, uh, the Houston Texans, the LA Rams, maybe even the Dallas Cowboys down the line here, where you have a talented team, but you have had to make sacrifices because you have invested so much money into a running back. And unfortunately, in a year from now, we're going to be looking at potentially paying Miles Garrett, baker mayfield denzel ward nick chubb might be the odd man out just because while the running back position has some value it doesn't have as much value as other positions on the football roster
0: yeah it's one of those positions that you see it nearly all of these major deals that have come out by year two sometimes even sooner the team's already regretting it um and who, whom has bigger impact on, say, the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott or Byron Jones? You've got one of the best corners in the NFL, or you've got a running back. And David Johnson, same way. Yeah, they managed they managed to flip him for uh, Hopkins. So you might say he's potentially one of the best trade assets you've ever seen. But in real terms, it wasn't a good move for the Texans. Lev Bell, it, it was only the first year, and they're already talking about moving on from him. Um, you've got Todd Gurley, moved on. Um, Derek Henry, I think, is going to be one that they'll regret. That's not going to be a repeat season. Um, Saquon Barkley hasn't brought the winning to the Giants because it doesn't really matter that much. So you look at all those big names on the biggest money, and it's not great. And I was surprised that this became the top running back contract because we've seen this trend of sort of David Johnson wasn't the guy, Gurley wasn't the guy, question marks over Lev Bell. I was thinking... Have we now seen sort of that peak and it's coming down? We saw the deal earlier in this off-season for Austin Eckler, which saw sort of a downwards trend in sort of what that top running back market might be. Obviously, Eckler isn't in that McCaffrey range for talent, but I thought we might see the downwards trend. So um, Ezekiel Elliott came in at 8% of the um, asking... um, Average per year as a percentage of cap at time of signing. Um, And we actually saw him come in at slightly more. So I don't have the final figure, but just in terms of inflated average per year, Zeke was on, if he signed it this year, would have been 15.8 million. Um, McCaffrey obviously got 16. So slight increase on that as a percentage. But I was surprised. Um, Certainly, I thought they were learning. We've heard a lot about the analytics buzz from Carolina. They literally did just light the book on fire and throw it out the window.
1: Yeah, I think the thing with uh, McCaffrey and Carolina, like, Carolina's had not the best offseason. You know, they cut Cam Newton after saying, hey, we're going to seek to trade him, or they're going to seek a trade uh, joint mutually, but Cam came out and said, no, this was all Carolina trying to push me out the door. They obviously lost Luke Keekly. They had to win the fan base over somehow, and I know this is the wrong way to do things. And honestly... Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he signs a four-year extension. He'll be there until he's about 28, 29. You might as well keep him for the the prime of his career. If he keeps producing the way he's producing, like last season when he had 1,400 yards rushing, over 100 catches and 1,000 yards receiving, if he can do that for two or three more years, I mean, that's worth what you invested. I know running back's not one of those positions you want to invest money in, but when you have him, when he's basically a running back slash wide receiver, you might as well lock him up and get the most out of him during this time.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one that he's got one more year left on his rookie deal. So I think we're looking at by the end of the um, 22 season that they're going to be looking at as a bad move, but that might come even earlier. Um, It's definitely one they'll consider. If you
1: were to give Nick Chubb an extension, Jack, would you give him, like, a two-year extension, a three-year extension, or would you not even... Would you just look to do something like maybe tag him for a year or two and then just let him walk?
0: Um, I think whatever contract you're going to give him it, uh, that I would support, it would just be damn right disrespectful. So I would rise above it and not offer that extension as a slap in the face. If you're going to do it, I'm looking around the 3% mark. Um, what Duke Johnson, Austin Eckler, that sort of players on. Um, so that in terms of this year would be six million. Um, but that's not something he's going to take. He, if you're signing his deal this year, he's not going to take six million a year. Um, but we'll see. So let's go ahead and
1: just move on to the NFL draft. Like I said, this is what we're going to do the majority of the show on. We're nine days out. Um, seems like the hype's starting to pick up a little more. You're seeing a lot more people do mock drafts, you're getting a lot more rumors coming out. Um, you know, today someone shared the top 30 prospects that are the top prospects that the, the Browns have, uh, put out there or that have brought in for virtual visits. And it's a very interesting list. When you look at it, they have invested a lot in the offensive line as expected. Um, you know all the top names Becton, Wills, Wirth, Thomas, Jones, Jackson, uh Ezra Cleveland who seems to be the hot name right now. Uh Peter King talked about on Monday on his Monday morning article that the Browns really like Ezra Cleveland. So Jack, when you look at these offensive linemen, is there one that uh you like more than the others? Is there one that you would move up for, move down for like Who's your top guy
0: right now? Yeah, I, I wouldn't move up for anyone other than quarterback. And since we've got one, that's all good. So there's two names that I like for us at 10. And they are Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs. For me, they're the only two. Um, that, that's me done at 10. It's one of them two us trade down. Um, and still, the trade down could be tasty enough that I can turn my back on one of those two. Um, it depends what the market is. We might have only had two QBs gone and someone's going to offer us a, a big deal. So um, it's something you can keep an option there and really have a look. Um, if we look out there, there's lots of names in the second round. So it's shown that they aren't fully committed to. We must take left tackle in the first round, which is key. Because if they're sat there going, there's only four guys we want to draft. We've got to trade up if one of these are gone. You're more or less just putting the gun on yourself and when you've turned up to the fight, because it's only going to end badly if you put yourself in a desperation because if three of them go early, suddenly you're going, Oh, how how far have we got to trade up and what we've got to give up? So it's nice that there's options there. And it's it's good that there's other players like Chef Akuda. It is being cool because they're keeping those options open that if someone drops, and for me, Akuda and um Chase Young are the only two other players that I'd really be tempted with at 10. Obviously, Chase Young's not going to drop that far. Um, But other than that, hey, I've got no issue with taking left tackle in the second round. Um, I think there is some good names there. Josh Jones, for me, is the one that stands out the most. Um, Ezra Cleveland looks good. Um, But there was was some fascinating stuff. There's lots of questions over Wills. I don't really want Wills. Um, Something that shocked me is... And PFF did their analytics mock. So rather than their standard mock, their analytics one, which is just done by um, Eric Eager and George Shahuri. And their first one they did didn't even have Wills in the first round. They had lots of other tackles in there. He wasn't part of the group. He did sneak in at 31 in their second mock. But it goes to show that there's question marks over him. Makai Becton, just because of scheme, I'm not interested. Um, only had very limited amount of pass protection snaps so that just raises a question for me so even though i think he could certainly turn out to be the best left tackle prospect i'm not saying he's a bust i just think there's more risk and for me i'm very risk averse so i would say you just pass on a player like him and it's going to be exciting to see what he does because he's going to do some freaky scary stuff as a uh, left tackle in the nfl
1: yeah i'm with you on thomas or worse or trade down like that's been my mindset for the last couple of weeks like Thomas and Worse stand above the rest of the offensive tackles, in my opinion. I'm glad you did bring up Okuda because now it's there's the reports out there that C.J. Henderson out of Florida is the top ranked corner by many teams. Uh, there's been several reports about that. Uh, it makes me wonder like Okuda's definitely not going to be the pick at three. That's who I've had mocked to Detroit uh, in all three mock drafts so far. Um, but if he starts to slide, I'm just wondering if he makes it to ten because are the Browns gonna strongly consider drafting him if he's there and say Thomas and Worse are off the board? Um, you know they took Greedy last year. Obviously it's a regime change. Barry said that he was going. It doesn't matter whose guy it was. He's gonna keep the best players. If Okuda's there, would the Browns strongly consider him? I personally would. Uh, you you want to add talent, and it seems like uh, with. Joe Woods and his uh, defensive scheme, they emphasize on coverage a lot. And if you can have two shutdown corners in Okuda and Ward, and there's no like top-end pass rusher here, you definitely have to take into consideration to select Okuda if he would be on the board at 10, unless you get blown away with a trade offer.
0: Yeah, what we know is um, coverage is more important than pass rush. And then the other part is, and it was really interesting piece I read, um, Eric Eger did a study on Is depth or stars the most important stuff on defense? And that's something you don't often hear the debate on. Um, You hear the coverage versus pass rush, but when you get into, is it more important to have 11 good players or is sort of two, three superstars and then eight or seven good players good enough? What sort of that balance you need? And what they found is it's about the weakest link. And while you have, might have a couple of stars, if that means you've got nine weaker players, then suddenly there's more weak links for that quarterback to expose. So um, quality across the space is more important. So if you think Akuda's the guy, then by all means go and get him. The one thing that makes me scared about a cornerback is it's a high-risk position. Teams often get it wrong. Along with running backs, it's the position most likely you're going to get a UDFA, and that player will become a top 25% player at their position. So, running backs there because for replacement value, but cornerbacks there because teams just don't know. Um, was it Josh Jones, I believe, the cornerback for New England Patriots? He was an undrafted free agent, and I think he played in his rookie year, most of it. He, he came in and did a job. Um, so, it's one that there is lots of different options out there. So, I'd be careful on taking a cornerback just for that reason but if he's there it's certainly something i would consider and i think they the front office would definitely be looking at and i could see him drop the top three picks for me is tua it's burrow and it's young Akuda is not going in the top three for me um i don't think it's even close um and where he drops who knows it depends what the other teams are prioritizing
1: yeah the browns have swung and miss on a top 10 corner before Justin Gilbert six years ago. So uh, there is the risk there taking a corner high in the draft. Uh, Looking at this, the visits uh, tracker, the Browns have uh, brought in three tight ends for a virtual visit Hunter Bryan out of Washington, uh, Giovanni Ritchie out of Western Michigan, and Adam Trotman out of Dayton. Now, Tight end doesn't seem like a priority as it did a couple months ago, obviously with the addition of Austin Hooper. uh, Najoku's status is still up in the air, though I think some people are hopeful that he can come back and have a productive 2020 campaign in Stefanski's offense. Uh, But his future status is clearly up in the air. They have to consider picking up the fifth-year option here, I think, in the next couple months. But um, behind those two, there's nothing at tight end. And obviously, you know, they're going to look at potentially replacing Najoku, And I think a guy like Trotman or a guy like Bryant makes sense. Don't know enough about Giovanni Ricci, but uh, it seems like they are scouting the tight ends quite heavily.
0: Yeah, with a tight end, you're more or less writing off that first year. Um, almost act like the first year, there's just redshirt. shirt. They're, they're sat on the bench. And they might come in and do some stuff, but you no real expectation there. Um, and then it's C see what they can do and expect them to start year two. And we just don't know with either tight end what they're looking to do. And obviously you need depth. If they are going to look to play a second um, tight end as much as they're going to play a third wide receiver um, and potentially a second running back, you might almost see those three positions as 33% each way around. Then that's going to mean that there's going to be rotation there. So if you're looking at your, stripped down base you've got two wide receivers are running back in a tight end and then you're rotating that next piece you've got to then have depth because there's no point only having if you're going to run a two tight end set you need three tight ends so you feel comfortable starting if you're going to run two wide receivers as a base you need sort of uh, sorry two wide receivers as a base you need about four if you're running one wide running back as a base you need two so you have to have that slightly more than everyone else so I think there's definitely a case for you've got to feel confident with two running backs, three tight ends, and four wide receivers. So we've got to get to that point. And it all depends who falls because, other than that, really first round pick, you're not drafting for year one. Um, and you've got to draft that year ahead. So, unless they're fully committed to David Njoku and, and know he's the guy, which no one does, whatever you look at and past stats, we don't know. And they've got to be prepared for he might not be the answer. So, I think it's definitely good that they're looking at lots of names. There's a nice mix of positions in here that they've brought in and had that virtual visit. So um, maybe they'll they'll find some talent, but leave the board open on sort of day two and uh, pick what's best.
1: Yeah, the one thing that uh, is a little discouraging to me, but not entirely just because they only get, I think, three hours per week with prospects. I, I forget like the exact uh, rules on that. No safeties. And we've been talking about safeties constantly the last couple of months. They did add some guys in free agency, but there's no long term uh, hope at those positions. And, you know, pick 41 seems to be the the pick that we would take a safety in this draft, but yet they haven't visited with any. Now, this list could be unofficial. They've could have sat down and talked with guys at the combine, they've could have done virtual visits that haven't been reported, but. You know, you would think safety would be a top priority for this front office to try to find the long term
0: answer. It's certainly a really, really good point there. Safety, I'm amazed there there's is Akuda the only um D B on the list. So oh no, there's Jeff Gladney as well. But yeah, that is definitely a surprise because this position I, I agree they definitely need to add. Um you've got no long term there's not one long term answer there at safety on the entire roster. Um Red wine, yeah, showed some promise, but limited. There's two one-year deals. Sandejo is quite old. Um, Cole Joseph, obviously got injury history. All three are good. I'm happy that all three are on the roster. Um, Joseph's the one I'm most excited about. But yeah, if if you told me none of those three are going to be on the roster next year, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, But you need to add players to replace them. So unless they've got some other answer or there's something they're going to do, um, we will see. But... Yeah, I'm surprised certainly that there's none on that list. I'm sure they'll have done some work somewhere, but um, yeah, maybe that was they're focused at the combine that they sat there and interviewed loads of safeties. We really don't know. So, Jack, you and I both
1: mentioned the uh, potential of a trade down. Now, I think we're both in agreement. If Worris and Thomas are on the board, trade down should be maybe a I wouldn't say a priority, but you definitely have to keep it open. Um, You can slide back, take maybe Josh Jones, maybe another position player you have in mind. I know Javon Kinlaw is a guy of uh, interest in the Browns. Uh, Jared Mueller mentioned that last week. So when you look at the draft order and maybe you have some historical data to back it up, are the Browns in a good spot at 10 uh, to where they can slide back? And based on history, what's the potential value they can get back in a trade down?
0: Yeah, so it's, Really hard to gauge on sort of the value of the trade down. One, if someone's coming up to get a quarterback, you're always going to get more out of them. So hopefully there's only two quarterbacks gone off the board. It's it's one of those weird things where we either want four to go, and then there's the even better left tackle prospects come down to us, or we want two to go. Almost three quarterbacks gone is the worst case scenario for the Browns because it doesn't give you the high value on the trade down. And then it doesn't mean there's as many there as possible. So the sweet spot would be two or four. Um, but a name that came out the other day, um, it was on the Rappaport uh, podcast. He was chatting about the Falcons, apparently a trade-up team, um, looking at a quarterback. So they're in 16th at the moment. So I, I went back, I've pulled out all the data. There's 50 first-round picks, um, trades Happened since 2011 and I've only looked to 2011 because of that CBA and everything changed So I'd say looking back before that is pretty useless Um, So if we look at that, there's five picks around the sort of 10 to 16 range So um, I'll go through them So 8 and 71 was swapped for 16, 46, 78 and 222 You've got 8 and 176 went for 15, 76 and a future 2 then you've got 10 went for 1649. You've got 10 went for 1579 152. And 12 went for 15114 and 172. Um, so th- there's certainly some value. For me, it's all about when you're trading back, how many day two picks you're getting. Everything on day three, nah, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not important, but. For me, the second round is the best round in the NFL draft. So if you can add more day two picks, especially in the second round, happy days. That sort of trade down eight and 176 for 1576 in the future too. That would be a dream sort of trade. So I'd happily give up sort of um, what's 176. That's going to be a sixth round pick, I think. Top of the sixth, bottom of the fifth. Um, That sort of deal for those two sort of for 50 for 17 76 and future second you're in a really really good spot there because you've only moved back to 16 if you can get a sort of high third and a future two off the atlanta falcons i'm over the moon
1: yeah atlanta was a team that i heard could trade up um i heard the, i heard the same podcast with rappelport uh the The Raiders make a lot of sense. The Broncos make a lot of sense because those are two teams that are in the wide receiver market, And I think both of them want to come up for Henry Ruggs. Um, you know I'm looking Miami and Vegas would be the two ideal trade partners right now because they have loads of day two picks, looking at the complete draft order right now. Miami's got a couple second round picks. The Raiders had three third round picks. Like if they want to move up to say ten for a particular player, like I'm sure Andrew Barry has their, his phone open, ready to collect some day two picks, and I feel like that's what the Browns want to do because it seems like there is a lot of talent there in the second and third round, especially on the defensive side of the ball that the Browns would like to add because the defense going forward right now, you got Miles Garrett, you got Denzel Ward, and that's about it. Greedy Williams is a maybe, Mac Wilson and Taki Taki are maybes, but. We need guys on that side of the ball. We need depth. We need impact players. And if you can collect some more day two picks, I think that would really help our defense going forward.
0: Yeah. And um, the one thing that worries me about the trade back is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are they going to go into full rebuild? If they're in full rebuild and they're one pick above you, that really devalues the value of your pick because any deal you get struck that team might pick up the phone, ring the Jacksonville Jackers and go, Hey, are you going to take this deal? And then you might negotiate a good deal and then they pick up the phone and do exactly the same deal and go one spot higher than you. And that might mean you spend all the hard work, negotiate the price, get it perfect, and then someone else gets to reap the rewards of that. So that's certainly something that could be an impact. Um, How far you trade back is obviously a question. Uh, But adding the reason why that second round is something I love so much is, is the round least likely to bust. So first round picks are more likely to bust than second round picks. It's a lot cheaper on contract, so that's extra money you can then spend on another position, which is really good. And also it's something where you're just more like to have a player that's solid on the roster. And even if they don't hit that highs of the bust or boom prospect, then at least if they're in there as, say, a roto- rotational edge rusher, if they're in there as a second wide receiver, a third wide receiver, they not, might not have your star talent. But if that's a player you're paying a pittance to rather than, let's say a second wide receiver, 10 million a year, suddenly that's an extra 10 million. You might go, actually, we're going to spend that on a um, second edge rusher instead because we've got this spare money. So it's freeing up that money to spend it in other places. So um, no second round is the real sweet spot. And you can get a lot for that. If you're talking eight, one, seven, six for 15, 76 and a future two, you're basically getting three picks for one pick and 70, uh, one, seven, six. So that's great value. And uh, you may as well, if you get the opportunity, just jump on it. Definitely.
1: Anytime you can add more picks and stay around the range you're at and be able to lock up a a very good talent, you you definitely have to take it into consideration. Um, If we look towards day two and day three of the draft, Jack, like who are your, outside of offensive tackle, what are your top positions that you think the Browns need to address um, heading
0: into the draft? So the top, positions if we start with the offense first um, nothing on the O-line is a need obviously left tackle gets done in the first round or the first pick wherever that might be so outside that the O-line set quarterback room set um, if they love someone then I've got no reason to jump on some guy and um, there if we look at wide receiver there's definitely a need at wide receiver we've only got two and there's injury questions over both and so Definitely on day two, I think it's guaranteed we're going to take a wide receiver. Um, Tight end, no, not so much an interest on day two, but later in the draft, I wouldn't mind it. Edge, desperate need. Um, We've got one starting edge. We've got one for one year, and we've got a great rotational piece for two years. So adding that fourth edge that can hopefully develop into edge two next year, massive win if we can do that because miles garrett's going to take a large amount of cap if you can go cheap opposite him with claiborne as a third you're in a brilliant situation interior i wouldn't be surprised if any of if none of the current interior players on the roster are here next year wouldn't be a surprise Um you've got ogan Joby final year great rookie season not done it since um and I think he'll actually improve this year on lim- more limited snaps. Um, you've got Billings as a one-year deal. Richardson's got two years, but he's getting cut after this one year just because the cap number's unsavory based on the deal he was signed to. So that could be a house. So I think if they can find a sort of three-tech that they like, then that's certainly something they could grab on day two. Um Then if we look, linebacker is certainly something they need. I don't think it's going to be a second round pick, but certainly something I could see coming in sort of rounds three to five. Cornerback, slot more than outside. I don't think outside is really a priority, uh, but if they can get a slot, that's certainly something I'd look at. And safety, anywhere at safety um, could be a real win. I think free safety is a lot more likely than strong safety because I think they've got more hope that Kyle Joseph could be the guy. So I think they're more likely going to look at that free safety role Um, For someone to grab. But between free safety, linebacker, edge and wide receiver. They're definitely the four positions I'd prioritise the most. But uh, yeah, you can always see a wild card slot in there. But the more picks you get, the better. You're just adding more and more depth. And if they can get it, they pick up two wide receivers. I would be in absolute heaven. If they can get five picks, two wide receivers, a um, linebacker, edge and safety, then uh we we're in heaven baby
1: yeah definitely like the way I'm going right now I think they need to get you know day 2 and day 3 or day 2 definitely because they have three picks if they can get safety they can get a d tackle because you do need to get something on the interior um and then uh a linebacker maybe at the bottom of the third round I know there's some guys there that'll be worth the value right there and then day 3 I think the wide receiver class is very deep. I think they can get a guy that can contribute um, at some point during 2020 with pick 115, and then the rest of the picks just get some depth depth at corner depth at edge. You know, if they can get a tight end, like you said, that would be great. Um, But other than that, like safety linebacker and D tackle, I feel like they need to attack on day two and then the rest, you can get some depth on day three. Um, I heard I know just because I heard you guys talking about D tackle on your podcast, I had to laugh because like there are some D tackles worth taking at forty one, and I just I know I can't wait for your reaction if they do take one early because uh, the the Ken Law stuff was uh, making me laugh when I heard you guys talk about D tackle just because if they were to move down and be able to get him in the teens, I feel like it would be a great pick, but I feel like you won't like that as much.
0: Nah, there, there there's no love for. Uh defensive tackles here yeah it's better than a running back it's better than a linebacker but it's not much better um i just can't get excited there's obviously then a few very rare exceptions if you can find aaron donald then phenomenal you're in absolute heaven there's not many of them around fletcher cox another example we've got chris jones probably in there there is a few phenomenal phenomenal players but you might end up with a vita Vea at the same time you might end up with a danny shelton and yeah i know they're slightly different coming out but there's not enough star power for me to go and risk it at that position and then if they're top 75% of my that position am I going to extend them and that's something i always ask myself with a pick and if it's a defensive tackle if it's a running back if it's a linebacker the answer is no if they're obviously in that top 90% um of running of linebacker and of d tackle then yeah i'm prob- probably going to do it but it's it's unlikely and for me the risk is too high and if i'm questioning if they're all t- the top 50% in their position, am I going to extend them? The answer is probably why draft them in the first place. So, for me, I'd take that risk later on. Obviously, yeah, if they go in the second round, then fair enough. Um, I- I'm looking at potentially a piece in a later time of what's the earliest round I would look to take someone. And you're always going to get exceptions to that. It's not saying hard and fast. This is where you must take someone. Oh, it's unacceptable at pick 32, but at 33, I like it. It's looking more on like. In, in round one what positions would I take in round two what positions would I take and then really just to get into why would you do that looking at sort of the information out there what, what is the good really good rounds and uh I'm just waiting on some more information to come in on that from some other sources and then that might be a piece that i write at a future date
1: just uh go watch some Javon Kinwall tape uh, I know you guys were knocking on Derek Brown but go watch some Kinwall tape and you'll be impressed
0: yeah, I, I can be impressed. I can see some flashes on tape, but quite frankly, the value just doesn't stack up for me. I, I can't get excited about a uh, defensive tackle. To be fair, I'm, I'm not even getting that excited about edge rushers anymore. So uh, coverage is king, and uh, I'm close to just selling my soul. Understandable.
1: Um, on your podcast, you were uh, hinting at a upcoming article, which I'm sure will be on thedogland.com. Um, I'll let you tell the folks uh, what you got planned coming up.
0: Yeah, so it's a question that's been bouncing around my head for about a couple of years now. And until this offseason, I didn't really have the data to ask myself, basically, am I mad or does it make sense? And that is, should teams ever pick anything other than a quarterback in the first round? And that's not saying you draft a quarterback in the first round every year. That's saying, why not trade down? And that's a question that I'm looking at the value and when you're saying you can go from 10 to or from 8 to 15 and you can give up additionally 176 and get 76 and a future second suddenly I'm going how many times could you do that and then what's the draft haul at the end of it and why lots of other teams might do drafts that get you picks past like pick 100 I'm not so much interested in that I want picks in the top 100 but if you repetitively trade down and then you get sort of rather than let's say, let's have a first round pick, let's have seven picks on day two. And while that might sound mad from the top, it might not all come in that first year. But if you could have error or seven picks on day two, suddenly the question starts coming. Not only are you getting the choice of those two draft halls, you're going, actually, you're going to get seven cheaper players. So that's an extra three. Top top free agents, you can just go sign whoever you want in free agency. Would you rather have Miles Garrett and let's say nine middle of the roster guys, um, or would you have ten? Well, let's say eight, seven first, a uh, seven second round and third round picks plus three top free agents, where one of them might be say a Trey Flowers. Mm, what what position would I be in? I, I'd rather have the volume and. When I started doing these trade back scenarios and looking, obviously, in most cases, you're not going to get a number one overall pick. So that's a little bit fantasy aside with saying let's trade Miles Garrett for all that stuff. But when you're going, let's say pick 10 and what what would pick 10 give you? And then you're looking at the cap benefit on top of it. Then you're looking at all of the other stuff. And round one picks bust just because a guy went number one, just because a guy went top 10. We've got Greg Robinson, how high was he picked? And look what that turned into. Just because a guy went really, really high doesn't mean you've got anything great. And the more you can maximise on round two picks, especially because they're less likely to bust, um, that's certainly something to look at. And I'm sitting there and starting to question it. It's like, obviously, quarterback. If you need a quarterback, you can only get one in round one. They're not anywhere else. But then looking at the rest of the positions, there's nothing really else out there that you can't get in other places of the draft. And that's just made me question. It's like, would I rather have the volume? Because the only one guaranteed thing in the draft is no one's good at drafting. For all you hear of this guy's a draft sensation, that guy's a draft sensation, all the facts say they aren't. Bill Belichick took a running back in the first round. And I bet if you ask him now, does he regret that pick? Hell yeah, he regrets that pick. So it's certainly something that I've been, it's been bouncing around my mind for a few years. I've sat there and I really started doing the data, some interesting Articles have been written this year from PFF, from Over the Caps team. Did a, a book called The Drafting Stage, which was amazing. And um, I'm suddenly sitting here, question, and I'm thinking, I think the answer might be to trade down. And that value is not going to stay there forever. The minute they see a team actively trading down at every case, and then drafting so many picks in the second round, the trade value is going to update. The market will move, and the value you're going to get for moving back will be less. But the fifth-year options are less valuable. There's lots of stuff going on in the league, so. I think the question needs to be asked, and that's why I'm going to write the piece, and obviously it's going to be in the dog land. Um, and I'm just asking, is it the best way? I'm not saying 100% you have to trade out that first round pick every time, but if the value is good and you just look at it on paper, is it better to have loads of those players and some really top three agents, or are you better taking that one guy that you think's a superstar, but you just don't know, because one player, they might make a mistake, they might fall out of the league, they might get a really horrible injury. How much do you want to risk on one player all on one, or spread that risk and uh, reap the benefit.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. I'm looking forward to reading that once you get it, um, once you write it down and everything over at the Dogland. Like it, it sounds like it's going to be a really good article. And you always bring great content, Jack. So uh, we're all looking forward to that as well.
0: No, thank you. It, it definitely sounded something nuts when I first put it down on paper. And then I was like, actually, I just worked back. So I did some examples of like the Browns picks in the last 10 years, and I looked what you swapped for Miles Garrett, and I just kept writing names down. And I was like, how many names do you actually get from this? And suddenly when you start looking at the future pick and then that future first, then you're trading that down, and then you constantly just trading, trading, trading. You, you're getting boatloads. Um, I think just to go back, and I'll, I'll give you an exclusive little teaser here from the miles garrett so trading down from one how many picks do you think you end up with let me say five it's so you put four picks in in total you get 19 back wow (laughs) so that's quite that's just crazy it is and it's 19 picks obviously you're not going to go and draft 19 players plus your normal pick hall every year but I'm going right let's take all those bottom picks and move them up and suddenly let's say each year from not each year because you're not going to get a first round pick every year but if you go and say right instead of a first round pick spread over the next two years let's have what eight extra second day two picks every year suddenly you're in a mad spot and it's incredible how much value you can then go and add. So it is one that I'm asking the question and, uh, I'm shocked with the answers. I didn't know when I started, I put the idea in my head and then it's like, right, let's just do these trades based on real trades that have happened. And, uh, how much are you going to get?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, something to wrap your head around. Definitely. Um, but we're definitely all looking forward to reading that article. Um, If there's anything else you want to discuss before we get on out here, feel free to.
0: No, I just want to say thank you for having me on again. Um, It's an absolute pleasure. Obviously, everyone, stay safe, stay at home, Um, look look forward to the draft. It's going to be great fun. Um, I think we're going to see some even better coverage this year. There's going to be more focus on delivering what fans um, want because there's going to be a lot more fans switched in all day. Rather than those that are working, then coming home, it's just going to be nonstop. So, on draft day, I finish work at six, and then it's just going to be turn that TV on. And then I think the draft starts one in the morning. So, uh, nonstop draft coverage. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're planning
1: on doing a pod probably each night of the draft. So, uh, if you're free, Jack, we'd love to have you on, and get your uh, analysis on who the Browns
0: take, and we'll go from there. Depends who we take. If we take a running back, I'll be crying in the other room and I'm not willing to come on the podcast.
1: (laughs) I don't think we're taking a running back. We might take one late, but I wouldn't bank on taking one uh, early on. Uh, As always, you guys can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F. DUFFIN. See, I'm losing my mind. Uh you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, JOKI. You can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry 08. Check out the dogland.com. Uh my latest mock draft is up as well as the 2010s Browns all-decade team which, you know, I punished myself Sunday evening going back and looking back at those bad Browns teams and putting my uh, all-decade team together, but definitely go check that out. Um and as always, as we get on out of here, go Browns.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually.
0: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.